Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is Beyond the Box Score after Fantasy Week 5. We have one more game left Monday night. Looks like Devontae Adams is going to play. That's great news. Hope for the same for Aaron Jones. Adam Azer here with Jacob Gibbs and Dan Schneier, and this is Beyond the Box Score Advanced Stats. From Simple People, San Francisco with a 42-10 win. We'll talk about that. We'll rank Brees Hall and Devon A-Chain. What's going on in the in the Dolphins passing game, in the Eagles passing game? Devontae Smith, three games with five or fewer targets already this season. Dallas Goddard had his breakout. Uh, stashing handcuffs. How much longer should you be doing that for? And we have some other topics. Oh, David Montgomery. Is he going to be a top 10 running back? And is Gardner Minshew going to be a QB1 for the next four to six weeks? All right. Jacob, how are we doing over there? How's it going? I'm great. I'm actually really excited for the A-Chain or A-Chan A-Chan. and Brees Hall rest of season conversation. I like dove into my rest of season RB rankings a little bit when I saw the question and I'm like, this is really interesting from like RB5 to like RB18. It's like kind of interchangeable. Okay. Uh, Dan, I am in a pretty bad mood and <laughs> I just want to give you a heads up. I might, I might take it out on you today. <laughs> I understand, Adam. I'm in an equally as bad mood. Yours is probably due, uh, due to real life things like your family and issues. Oh, like... family's fine. Okay. I, the, uh, two things, you know. One, I'm sick again, a different sickness. Jeez, and every time how I'm often sick, are you sick? This is what I'm talking. This is why I'm in a bad mood because I'm thinking to myself, God, Dan was right. I am sick all the time, and I'm having trouble <laughs> coming to grips with that. And the other thing is, I think a lot of people might be might be able to relate to this one. This rarely happens, man. I went to sleep. I had a <clears throat> unless like some crazy stuff happens tonight. I'm going to have my best week of the year in fantasy. But Ooh. I won. You know, I went to four and one in, in probably the most important league for me, and I beat one of our colleagues, Darst. And he and I, like, if I talk, I never talk smack to anyone. But if I do, it's to him. And so I took a I took a picture of it and I sent it to someone else. Like I beat him by a one and a half points, and I I sent it to someone else. I was like, I'm gonna talk some smack on the message board tomorrow. Thankfully, I had forgotten because I woke up or and Dars texted me. And he's like, I can't believe I beat you. I'm like what? No, you didn't. He's like, Yeah, Lamb didn't do anything last night. I beat you. And he sends me a screenshot. I lost on a stat correction. Oh, I am no. so. It was the Texans DST. That gained oh. like two or three points, and now I lost. And I'm so. Can you imagine if I had talked smack last night? 
only and then got stack corrected the next day. A stack correction loss is as bad as it gets in fantasy football. And I feel bad for you, Adam, but I'm equally isn't in malaise right now. I'd call it a general malaise that I'm in just because the Giants are just back to being one of the worst teams in the NFL. I saw a stat last night. The Giants now have a DVOA of minus 72 point something. And that is the worst DVOA of any team in the NFL by over 30 points uh-huh. overall DVOA. They are in ar- arguably the worst team in the NFL through five weeks by DVOA. They are the worst team in the NFL. I I don't even care as much anymore as a fan, Adam, but doing a podcast on a team this bad gets really, really depressing. Well, this should be a fun show. All right, Jacob, let's yes. take it away. Let's 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 ramp it back up talking about people like <laughs> Devin Achan and Brees Hall and Joe Burrow, who I got to watch <laughs> yeah, today yeah. on tape, who was really good. By the way, Dan hosts a podcast called Big Blue Banter. San Francisco 42, Dallas 10. As bad as Giants fans feel, I bet the Cowboys fans are probably like, what's the point? We're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> We're just going to get crushed by one of these teams right now. San yes. Francisco wipes them out. And Jacob, uh, what did you want to talk about from this game? Um, on the Dallas side of things, it's really looking bad. And of course you have to start the conversation with how weird the Dallas games have been this year. They've really only been in in one game that wasn't just a wacky game script. But even like when I looked at the underlying data, like there's just a lot of things that are discouraging. So CD lamb is the first guy I want to bring up his target per route run rate is at 22%, which is 30th among 81 qualified receivers and is right in line with his rate in 2020 and in 2021. Last year kind of looks like the outlier. I think that CeeDee Lamb really took a step forward last year, and we saw him win against man coverage, press coverage all the ways. He wasn't winning before down the field. But so far, he's not been the same guy. Um, and I don't I don't know if that's adding Brandon Cooks or what that is a function of. Um, no, I can't imagine Cook, it's Cooks, right? I mean, he's not doing nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Cooks is literally doing nothing. He's 78th among 81 receivers in yard per route run rate on the year. And we've seen his yard per route run rate drop for four consecutive years now, Brandon Cooks. So like, yeah, I don't I don't think you can really attribute it to that. I don't know. Do you guys have any CeeDee Lamb thoughts? Yeah, I do. I mean, look, I brought up these concerns throughout the entire offseason on this podcast. I don't like the offense Mike McCarthy runs. I'm going to watch it on tape after this. I wish I had. Before this, I didn't have time for it. But I just have to watch these route combinations, and I have to watch these play calls because I know the old Mike McCarthy system, and I know the old Ben McAdoo system, which was an offshoot of the Mike McCarthy system. And I know what Kellen Moore was running with the Cowboys last year, and Kellen Moore was giving the Cowboys a weekly advantage from a route combination standpoint, from a play-calling standpoint, from a design standpoint. I had my concerns about this offense from a pace standpoint because we knew the pace was going to slow down Mm -hmm. after going from Moore to McCarthy. But now I'm worried at just how much is he relying on these guys winning one-on-ones? Like you see what Keenan Allen has done in a half season or, you know, in a quarter season with Kellen Moore over there as the big slot there. That was Lamb's role with Kellen Moore. That role isn't there anymore. It's not based on that. And so the offense isn't based out of that. So I just... I'll watch more of the Cowboys, but I had my concerns to begin with, with Mike McCarthy taking off this offense and really cratering it. And so far, all I've seen is examples of that. I say in general, a lot of the guys we're going to talk about today are going to fit a similar theme for me, and that is it's still too early for me to panic on um, some of the best players in fantasy. Okay, so I still believe in CeeDee Lamb. Uh, you know, Devontae Smith, I still think is just a phenomenal player and he's going to get his. Uh, well, let's break that down later. Jalen Waddell, I think is just too good 
for this. You know, his ADOT is way down, and that's bad, but it's small sample sizes. Like Waddle, for example, the first two games of the year, his ADOT was very high, and his last two games, his ADOT was very low. So overall, it looks pretty low, and we want him to go downfield a little bit more because he can do that. But, you know, that could easily change next week. You look at Dallas Goddard, you know, like one week changes everything, right? So I'm still, like, just fine with Lamb, and I would call him a buy low. And you mentioned the game script. So far, Dallas has won by 30, uh, won by 20, lost by 12. That was the game at Arizona that they lost and played without three offensive linemen. They won by 35, and they lost by 32. They've had a really weird year. So I am sure that there is a lot of debt. Like, like Lamb's playing in the slot more, and I don't like mm-hmm. that because throughout his career, he's been better out wide than he's been in the slot. But, he, but he's always been a guy who plays, you know, all around the field. Um, the eight out of the entire offense is just lower. They're just not throwing yeah. the ball downfield as much. Um, but I just tend to think that with if the offensive line can stay healthy, I think they'll hit their stride a little bit and be better than this. So I'd be looking, I personally would be looking to buy low on Pollard and Lamb. Dak, you know, maybe, but not really a big priority. Um, yeah. So that's the thing, They're- Jacob. I, I just, I still think, even though we're like a third of the way, almost a third of the way through the season, I still think it's only five games. It's my baseball background talking, I think, a little bit, but I'm still believing in in most of the guys that I believed in. I always believe that more with baseball, though, than football. It's just probably a better conversation for another podcast, Adam. But in baseball, I feel like, and this is from playing fantasy baseball and covering it for years, I feel like it's more like a game like that where you know the guys who are like can go on runs and can go on streaks. In football, I don't know if there's such things as like runs and streaks. It's more just matchup-based and scheme is a huge pro- part of this i should say not problem and in my mind the cowboys scheme is an issue like they are not generating things downfield for a reason the route combinations and the play calls it's not just all the offensive lines injuries in my mind it's a it's a big factor here and dak prescott is not he played th- what how long did he have in kellen Moore's system like he had that thing down four or five years yeah. right he had that thing mm-hmm. down at that point and now it's going to an offense that you know, from most people who watch the tape would tell you is a lot worse schematically than what Kellen Moore was running. And I know it wasn't, you know, you know, people said, oh, Kellen Moore was so focused on scoring points. He wasn't under like he needs to run the ball more and and things like that. But, you know, I don't know. So far, what we're seeing has not been really pretty so far with the Cowboys offense. I'm not buying low because I still think they have a lot of tough games left on the schedule. Multiple games against the Eagles. Washington defense obviously hasn't looked as, as good lately, but we'll see what happens there. I just wanted to say that that's the reason that I viewed it through the per route lens is because that kind of filters out things like game script and blowout. And it's mm-hmm. just like he's his per route data is way down in conjunction with a lower ADOT. Like that really lowers the ceiling for what Lamb can be. I think he's going to have a tough time even getting like top 10, top 12 type ceiling. Um, All right. I'll take, I'll then, take him. I will take him top 12 rest of season. I, f- I still yeah. feel strongly. There's a lot of receivers that are excited right now. The last thing is Tony Pollard, man. It's been like really bad, like worse than I even yeah. realized. He's dead last in avoided tackle rate among 29 qualified running backs. That's obviously been an area that he's excelled in the past. Yeah. 18th out of 29 in yards after contact. Another area where he's been like top three. Um, so like, yeah, we expected the efficiency to drop off with more touches, but like dead last in avoided tackle rate. This is what I wanted to talk about today on this game, at least. Like, can I ask you guys how you feel about this? And I didn't have a chance, unfortunately, to watch it on tape today. But I did watch it last night, obviously. 
and I've seen other Cowboys games. I don't feel like Tony Pollard looks the same as he did before the injury last year. That's where I'm at with Pollard. And I think the data Jacob just brought up backs all that up. But like in open space, he doesn't look as explosive. He doesn't look as elusive. Maybe it's an issue of now he's the lead guy. Or maybe it's an issue of he's not fully 100% back from that injury that was what they injured in the divisional round of the playoff back for week one of the regular season. For what it's worth, Jared Smola uh, quote retweeted my Dallas data and like tagged like all the Twitter docs and was like, yeah. do you guys think the leg injury is a factor? And they were all like, no, I don't think that that's okay. the problem. Okay. Well, Pollard, those are Twitter docs. Pollard reminds me of the ETN conversation that we have where I kind of don't care because he's going to get so much work and he's catching yeah. passes. Right. That there are going to and he had like the first 3 games of the year, 22 points, 20 points, 15 points. Now he's had two bad games in a row. But again, like even if he's not the same player, I still I just still think he's one of he's a true workhorse back who's involved in the passing game. There are not many of those. And I Agreed. guess I, I'm not down on the Cowboys the way you are. Uh but yeah, I'd buy it. From that standpoint though, even if he has all that Adam, which I agree he still has, if he's not like as explosive in all the metrics or as efficient in all the metrics Jacob brought up, and if the Cowboys offense isn't as fast paced or scoring as much as, as as it did under Kellen Moore, what does that lead to? Like it, he can't possibly be what we thought he was then preseason still, right? Like potential like top 10, top 12 pick, right? That that ceiling is gone under those circumstances. Or do you still think, you know, just getting all that work alone could put him in that? And I'm saying overall player, no, not that. Probably you're right. Probably, but it doesn't, but it's still a player that's a must start. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Must yeah. start. It's more a matter of like, am I buying low on him or not? I mean, if we're talking like an average of 18 touches a game for the Cowboys, could he be more than that? Um, I think he's going to be a must start guy, but I I don't know. I It just takes one game for him to be for like, oh, well, he's look at all these explosive plays. But I, I mean, I understand uh, the concerns. It just hasn't been a great. He, by the way, he's uh, <clears throat> number 10 running back in fantasy right now in PPR, not per game but yeah. overall. All right, uh, on the San Francisco side, um, let's be quick on this. Brock Purdy, 34 points, best game of his fantasy career, best regular season game. He looks like he's just starting to play better and better. But I, I think, you know, you start McCaffrey, you start Ayuk, you start Debo, you probably start Kittle. I know he's coming off a huge game. I wouldn't mind trying to sell George Kittle if you could. I don't know how you guys feel about it. He had four targets. He had four targets. Yeah, had three I, <laughs> I mean, there, there are going to be some really bad games here. This is what Kittle does. Yes. He, he is so boomer bust on a weekly basis. Um, He's a best ball king. Yeah, so I I, I don't know. Ayuk, like, I mean, sorry, uh, uh, Purdy? Like, per, is Purdy just, would you rather have Purdy or Stroud rest of season? Purdy. Purdy. Yeah, he's good. Started in 43% of leagues. That's going to go up. Uh, you can find all this great stuff from Jacob on Sportsline. And there is, we talked about Sportsline last night. If we want to make a promo code of baked burgers, I think we can make it happen. So if you're interested in Sportsline and you'd like to use that fun promo code, <laughs> let me know. But Jacob, what's your promo code? Um, I actually don't know. I hit up RJ about that. And he's like, I don't know. We need to get you set up with one. So maybe yeah. it could be baked burgers. <laughs> that could be, you know, it could be the official promo code of beyond the box score. But, um, that get you, we have plenty of promo codes. There's a, apparently there's a Heath promo code. I think Dave said there's a Richard promo code, uh, $1 for your first month, nine ninety nine after that. And it's great fantasy content, optimal lineups for DFS, gambling content if you want it. Check out sportsline.com. We're live tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for a live stream, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. You can watch all of our shows 
and the Dynasty Show and the DFS Show at youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Um, but if you, the live streams are only on YouTube, so check that out. News and notes. Anthony Richardson, sprained AC joint, looking like four to six weeks. That's the initial thought right now for Richardson. Uh, so we have a question about Minshew later. Minshew with the revenge game at the Jaguars in week six. I said last night, I, I wouldn't feel so certain that Travis Kelsey's going to play on Thursday against Denver if he really has a high ankle sprain. I know he came back in the game, but that's probably a little bit of adrenaline, but we'll see. Mm. Justin Jefferson, we're waiting to hear about his hamstring. Deshaun Watson, uh, Cleveland had a bye. They faced San Francisco this week, so I don't think you're going to start him anyway, but he did not practice uh, with that shoulder injury. Mac Jones will remain the starter. We'll see how long that lasts. Brian Dable's optimistic about Daniel Jones playing this Sunday night at Buffalo, getting some game of the week vibes on that one, right? Um, James Connor left with a knee. <laughs> yeah, no. James Connor knee injury, Tank Dell concussion. Um, Matt Milano probably out for uh, possibly the season. And Daquan Jones, their defensive tackle, also looks like a long term injury for the Bills, who might not be a tough man. I mean, they'll be tough for the Giants this week but, and the Patriots the next week, but they may not be tough uh, defensively. Um, all right, that's some stuff. Okay, oh, Jets offensive line. Elijah Vera Tucker did not, it seems, tear his Achilles, but he's going to miss some time. Mikai Becton got banged up as well. Other important stuff. Oh, Dallas, tough night. Not only did they get their butts kicked, Leighton Vander Esch and safety Donovan Wilson left with injuries. Uh, one of the Patriots starting guards, Mike Onwenu, left with an injury. Uh, Jacksonville offensive lineman Walker Little. I think he's going to be, I think I saw that he'll be okay. Maybe that was someone else. He left with a knee injury. Dan Campbell said that Jamison Williams will get a few more plays next week. <laughs> okay. Uh, two Patriots wide receivers left with head injuries. Demario Douglas and Juju Smith-Schuster. Miami lost starting guard Isaiah Wynn with, uh, left with a neck injury. And Rams defensive lineman Bobby Brown left with an injury. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we've got advanced stats from Jacob. We've got some film review. We've got our five big topics. We'll talk about Brees Hall. We'll talk about the Rams wide receivers. We've got plenty to get to. Uh, we'll talk about a lot of stuff we didn't get to on yesterday's show as well. But stick around. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, Jacob Gibbs, what do you got for us? So I've got two big topics, and then I'm going to go through some quick data points. The first one I want to get, uh, obviously, get your guys' take on as the resident Giants fans. We've really seen a shakeup in the pass-catching unit for the Giants. Wondell Robinson and Jalen Hyatt were kind of going with the youth movement. It seems like they've replaced Paris Campbell and Isaiah Hodgins. Um, it hasn't resulted in anything for Hyatt. He ran 26 routes, didn't draw a single target this past week. Um, but Wondell's getting some short yardage looks. And then the other thing is, I don't know if it – 
is because we've got Hyatt stretching the field more. We've got different receivers in there or what it is, but Darren Waller saw a huge usage bump this week. Um, Dan, you looked into that more, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But yeah, he was the first read on 30, 42, 42% of mm. the targets in week five, up from 20% through the first four games. So clearly they just made him more of an emphasis. And then also his route participation was up from 76 to 98%. And so if we can get anything like that, that's top five tight end usage. That's kind of what we thought we might get coming into the year. Um, do you think that's sustainable? I, I do think it's sustainable. I looked into the tape, obviously, this morning with the Giants, specifically on the Darren Waller front, because this is something you brought to my attention. And this was something based off last week as well when they played the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Darren Waller was used to block a lot because in-game, the Giants had Daniel Bellinger, their other tight end, get injured, which kind of prevented the Giants from using Darren Waller in the ways they wanted to as a receiver. Bellinger was back for this game. He played. That helped Waller. And what I noticed on tape was they used Darren Waller in a lot of ways. He was detached from the line of scrimmage as the boundary X, as the boundary Z, he lined up as a big slot, the lone slot, in motion pre-snap. He could have had an even bigger day as yeah. well. They had two plays, one on a long 40-yarder up the left sideline where Jones made a good uh, – and that was when he was lined up as the lone X receiver in a three-by-one set, which means three receivers to the right side and, and him on the left side alone. Back shoulder ball, he just missed it. Then he had the double move in yeah. the red zone, 30-yarder, that he just couldn't cup down with. It was a good play by 25, saving, saving Howard, who got his hand on the left arm of Darren Waller as he tried to reel in the catch. But, you know, you get those two plays, and that's another – 15 point fantasy points on his day it would have been a total blow up they used him on a chip and release screen which i was so happy to see the giants don't call any screens they need to because teams are blitzing them at a higher rate and sending guys off the edge that was good to see him get designed there just the, the design for waller this week was really nice to see him lined up in different ways as the boundary these are things that we saw in the in the preseason during training camp a lot but we didn't actually see it in the regular season that much until this week when they kind of threw every all caution to the wind as far as the pass protection went and said you know what i know we don't have offensive linemen who can hold up in pass pro with a five-man front but let's just get waller out there and see what he can do as a receiver so i think this will continue moving forward no matter who the quarterback is uh if jones can play or if jones can't play we saw waller get a target i believe with tyrod taylor on that one drive as well so this is something very exciting, I think, moving forward to an extent. Obviously, there's still a ceiling here with the Giants offense. Yeah, we talked about selling high on Darren Waller on last night's show. Heath brought that up, and I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, I, I do love the usage. Eight catches for 86 yards this week, but you just don't want I don't want to put any faith in this offense. They're terrible. I, I, I do think they could get, get okay later in the year, but all the things that were working for them last year just are not working. I mean, they don't do any of the same like play action, bootleg, and tricking people. Like, that's just gone. They were a step ahead of everyone last year. And well, it's gone because their defenses have adjusted to it. Yeah, they can't. They tried there. it earlier in the year, and you can't anymore. Yeah, so I don't know. I it was a great day for Waller, um, but uh, I I have Waller in one league. I'm probably just going to hold on to him and start him every week. I'm not going to really look at streamers, but mm -hmm. I. I think you might be able to turn him, you know, might be able to trade him. If you have like two tight ends that you like and he's one of them, not a bad idea to get rid of him because I don't, I just don't see like, like you said, there's a ceiling there. I don't see a huge year coming for, for, uh, for Waller, unfortunately. All right. What's next, Jacob? Or you want to talk about that? Um, I was curious what you guys think of him compared to Kittle. Like if you had Kittle and you could trade for Waller and upgrade another position, would you pursue that? 
I would prefer Waller still personally. I, really? I like, like, like Adam said, I just don't trust like Kittle's going to have blow up weeks. And I guess if you're just starting these tight ends every week, no matter what, it's kind of fine to have a Kittle. Like it's like, you can almost play tight end like best ball in fantasy football these days, but just cause there's no one consistent really at the position. But I just also like the involvement more for Waller. Like Waller is not like if they're going to move forward with this type of offense. And I think they are, that means they're going to try to feature and get Waller targets. I'm not so sure the 49ers are trying to get Kittle the football. Yeah. Okay. The other topic was Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Um, so just going to plug Sportsline uh, beyond the back point. Sportsline, we hit on Joe Burrow's breakout here. I think this was the perfect spot for him. The Cardinals only blitzed 16% of the time. The league averages 29%. But we've seen people blitz, seen teams blitz the uh, Bengals a lot more to kind of take advantage of the cap with Burrow, um, and the Cardinals blitz rate was up to 23%, so it's still well below league average, and we saw him light it up, obviously. I dug into his game a little bit and wasn't super excited with what I found, and I think you mm. watched it, so I'll hear from you. His off-target rate was actually the highest it's been in any game in Week 5. His average depth of target, time to throw, was pretty much right in line, so it did, I didn't see anything that was like a clear change from what we've seen. I think it was mostly a really soft matchup, and Jamar just went nuts. Well, that's yeah, so my thought. Go ahead. No, go that's ahead first, interesting. Adam. No, I'm, I'm curious, but because Dan did look at the watch the fa- the tape of uh, Joe Burrow, so I was surprised. I thought uh, I thought Jacob would be like, "Oh, Joe Burrow's back!" <laughs> all right, all right. What are we? What are you thinking, Dan? So first of all, I want to just further what Jacob said. Uh, this week on Sportsline, prior to this week, Jacob called out Joe Burrow as having a the best chance of having a big bounce back week. You can find that on Beyond the Box Score. There's actually an article with the same name as our podcast on Sportsline. Excellent data in that article. In my opinion, the best data basically that we have to offer with the exception of maybe and probably Dave's lineup decisions. Both are just elite content, in my opinion, from a data standpoint. One is on CBS. One is on Sportsline. Now, as far as the film goes with Joe Burrow, I would say there were a lot of factors in this that led to his performance. The first one being that Joe Burrow did look more comfortable operating with the situation that he has. And by that, I mean... He is still injured, though he looked better in this game. How do you know that? How can we know that for sure? It was still all shotgun in this game for Joe Burrow. And, you know, that means they don't trust him yet or he doesn't feel comfortable yet going under center, operating from a deep step, five or seven step drop off play action and pushing and, you know, pushing off and putting all that weight on his calf. It does limit the offense, but. I think in this game, there were two factors that led to this strong performance. The first one is they did everything they could to feature Jamar Chase. That meant Jamar Chase spent time lined up in the slot. That meant different screens for Jamar Chase. He caught three different screens. That meant a play with 347 left in the first quarter where he was lined up in the left slot. They faked the handoff to Mixon. Like they showed counter with the handoff to Mixon to the left. Chase comes screaming around the, the formation with the tight end in to kind of block chip and get in the way of the end of man on a line of scrimmage who was defensive end. And that just led to a quick, easy throw for Jamar Chase. There were a lot of different quick, easy stuff for Jamar Chase and different ways to get him the football. The 63-yard touchdown pass, I thought it was more on the defense with a weird coverage. The cornerback passed off Chase to the safety, but there was no safety in that deep half on the left side of the field. He was lined up in more of a robber role down toward the line of scrimmage. It was a great job by Joe Burrow to recognize the post-snap where the space was and throw the ball into space. And It was a hell of a throw. I mean, he yeah. threw it, led Jamar Chase there. It wasn't yeah. like he had to slow down <laughs> for it. But I also feel like that was almost more on the Cardinals and a little bit of a coverage breakdown. It seemed like... The biggest thing is like 
I think, look, if teams are going to play the Cardinal, uh, the Bengals, the way the Cardinals play the Bengals, Joe Burrow is going to have some big games, but like the teams that are going to play him, like the Browns did, or like some of these other teams did, which is more everything on the line of scrimmage, press up on the receivers, blitz often off the edges. That's going to be where there's a problem because he can't really maneuver that well. And he's always in shotgun. He's never under center. So you can't counter that aggressive style of defense by running the football and taking advantage of the gaps. that are going to be open in the run game because the opposing defense using blitzers, the Cardinals didn't really do that that often. They did it on a lot of the third downs to get Burr off the field, a couple of the interceptions, but then they also played a lot of, you know, they played a lot of defensive personnel and and scheme where it just gave burrow a chance in my opinion to have that time he needed to kind of throw the football um so it will be interesting to see i'm not as i'm, I'm kind of with jacob here i kind of need to see more here because i do feel like this was somewhat matchup based but he definitely threw the football more crisp and he got the football out fast i'm starting him next week at, against seattle because he's improving and that's the thing he's not gonna be the same week to week he's getting better uh you know he's practicing more he said he felt He looked better. to move better, too, yeah. by the way. And all the beat writers seemed to, you know, two beat writers that I read said he was moving better. So um, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. But I, I just think the arrow's pointing up. He's got a bye after Seattle. So hopefully that's enough time for him to really be healthy and have a very strong second half. But Seattle's a pretty good matchup. So I, I'm, I'm starting Burrow next week. Uh, well, one thing I know he's going to do is throw. He's going to throw the ball a lot. And when you have Jamar Chase, that's that's a good thing. We saw some really cool uh, change in the route usage for Jamar Chase, too. He ran a slant. 22% of his routes were slants, and 12% were screens. The past two games, he's been over 15% or 12% and 70% of his routes were screens. So they're like really, really going out of their way to get him the ball. My favorite thing when I dug into the routes is his go route rate is down from 30% to 21%. This is something Matt Harmon and I talked about this summer is Jamar, like, insanely is one of the highest target volume most productive receivers, even while running a go route on a third of his routes, that's a route that just kills fantasy value. Look at George Pickens before Dante Johnson went out, where like it's clearly a good player, but he just never gets targets because he's running so many of those routes. They're finally being a little bit less stubborn with that and not just like sinning Chase to clear out all the time. Um, that was all the way down to 12% in the last game. So down from 30 to 21 on the year, which is a good development for him. Yeah, this was the that that was my main takeaway. Like, this is great news for Jamar Chase. The way that they game plan, just like with Waller, those were two games that I watched, and in both games, the game plan was obvious to get these two the football in a variety of ways, lined up from multiple different areas on the fort, like uh, before the line is you know, before the snap motion, all different things to get Jamar Chase the football. And I think that was a great stat by you, Jacob. That kind of the you know backs that one up. Yeah, I gotta say, of, of all the non-stat storylines, I like the squeaky wheel the most. <laughs> And Darren Waller, he didn't really complain, but right. they said they wanted to get him the ball more. Jamar Chase, I'm always bleeping open. It doesn't always work because, you know, it's supposed to happen for Goddard in week two and things like that. But I do like that. You know, A.J. Brown throws mm -hmm. a fit on the sideline. It seems to work more than it does. Yeah, it's a great wheel. one. It really does feel like it works you, more You should than follow the squeaky wheel. All right, what else we got, Jacob? So just some quick ones. So Zay Flowers is being used down the field more. He averaged 44 air yards per game in his first three games. That's up to 112 per game over the last two. Um, some really rough <laughs> routes and catch attempts from him out there. Um, but the opportunity is definitely there. Alexander Madison's playing time. We saw a dip this week. I heard you said on the podcast last time that CJ Ham was on the field a lot more passing downs at him. Um, it I actually said, wasn't I, like... I didn't say that. 
Oh, somebody on Twitter said that you said that. No, I didn't. It wasn't like Cam Akers. Cam Akers actually saw his uh, snap rate drop in his second game. Dave said it. Okay. Um, So Cam Akers did not see more playing time, and yet Alexander Madison's playing time dropped pretty dramatically. Madison was on the field for 56% of the red zone snaps, down from 81% previously, only ran around 43% of dropbacks, down from 54%, and only handled 57% of the running back rush attempts down from 82%. So like, I don't, that it's gonna be tough for him to be fantasy viable if he's splitting. And already we're seeing that in the second week with acres. Do you guys think there's anything there? Cause it's, it's not like acres necessarily cut into the work significantly, at least at the playing time. Uh, I don't know. Not really. I traded Madison. I know he has like, this was a good matchup against the chiefs. And I think he has a couple more. I traded him as part of my Justin Jefferson trade that I made with Jamie. It's just not a, mm-hmm. like, he's got, you Chicago. did make that trade. What was the trade? It was Jefferson and Madison for Waddle and Bijan. Um, Which I guess... I feel bad. I guess you feel bad with the Jefferson injury. Um, But Madison's not someone that I I fully trust. I know I had the receiving touchdown here. Uh, He does have the Bears this week. That should be pretty good. But maybe now's the time to trade him, you know? Uh, San Francisco, Atlanta, New Orleans. But he also has Denver and Chicago later in the year, too. I would say overall he's got a fairly favorable schedule, but... um, I don't know. I don't. I just don't don't fully trust him. And you know, I'm not saying to give him up for nothing. I'd give him up for Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if anybody's doing that. I don't know how people are feeling about Jonathan Taylor right now. But uh, maybe it's part of a package. Yeah, he's honestly. Let's, let's be real. He's he's not a special game changing player. He's gonna have to score touchdowns to uh, win you your league. However, I didn't think about this. Do the catches go up if Justin Jefferson misses time? Does the usage go up if Jefferson misses time? Definitely something we have to consider. Hmm. Anything else, sir? I wanted to bring up Calvin Ridley. So his first read target rate was <laughs> up to what we saw in week one. In week one, it was at 36%. And the reason this is important is because Trevor Lawrence has targeted his first read at the highest rate of any quarterback since the start of last year. Hmm. And so 36% of his first read targets went to Ridley in week one. That was down to 18%, then 23%, then 9% in week four. Then week five is back up to 35%. And so that's exciting. Um, I, I thought Ridley played much, much better in this spot and then speaking of first read target shares adam thielen i heard you guys talking about him on last night's podcast i I feel like he's pretty dramatically undervalued right now he has 34 percent of the first read targets in carolina if you take away that first game when he was injured 38 percent in this past week he has 38 percent of the red zone targets over the past month as well there's really only a handful of receivers who have that type of usage obviously it's coming in carolina so, like, there's a huge grain of salt to take with it. But, like, I think he's – the way I'm projecting him right now, he's, like, a borderline top 20 receiver each week, which is insane. Would you guys rather have Adam Thielen or Devontae Smith rest of season? <laughs> Smith, but, like, yeah, right now they project similarly, which is so nuts. <laughs> How about Adam Thielen or Debo Samuel? <laughs> Yeah, I'd still rather have Debo Samuel. But. I think so too. Yeah, but you almost got me because I'm kind of low on Debo. All right, uh, some snap count stuff. Uh, Calvin Ridley. Uh, oh, sorry, Zay. Jo- uh, okay, it was Zay Jones. It's actually about Christian Kirk. Wanted to see when Zay Jones was playing. Christian Kirk was he uh, uninvolved? No, he was out there. Um, Ridley played 20, 38 snaps, twenty four routes. Kirk thirty four snaps, twenty four routes. Jones twenty seven snaps, eighteen routes. And Ingram, 22 routes. So it was Zay Jones with the fewest 
routes run. Now, part of that, he got hurt like very late in the second half, so part of that may have been when he was hurt. But anyway, it was pretty even. But Christian Kirk did not come off the field like he did in week one. That was good. Uh, John o. Smith played eight more snaps than Kyle Pitts. Uh, I saw Jacob tweet about this. I don't know what happened, but Josh Reynolds only played 47% of the snaps. Any, any yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, he was, I think, third or fourth among the receivers in Rats Run. He's a little bit banged up. That would be my guess. But yeah, Jameson Williams played more than him. Uh, the Rams receivers. Puka Nakua played 100% of the snaps. Cooper Cup, 95. Tutu Atwell, 89%. And Tyler Higby, 89%. And you know, this I did go back and watch all of the uh, throws for Stafford. He was under pressure a lot in the second half, a lot, like a 56% pressure rate in the second half, which is crazy. Um, the, like the Giants would be laughing at that. Uh, but Tutu Atwell actually had, um, he was open. He was, it was a tough play, but he got open. It could have been a 63-yard touchdown. Stafford threw like a dart up the seam, and it was just a little bit overthrown. But Atwell got behind a couple of defenders. And then Atwell had a drop. Probably would have been about a 15, 20-yard gain. Uh, I dropped him before the game for Michael Gallup. I was just like taking a shot. And I I don't know. I, I was I was kind of impressed with Atwell. He might be a number three receiver. I don't think he's going to be anything, anything better than that. But there was some uh, production left off the field for Tutu Atwell. He's just fast. He's mm-hmm. fast and he gets yeah. open. Um, and then uh, DeAndre Hopkins played a season high, 83% of the snaps. Now, what else do we want to talk about here? We want to go to our big topics? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with Tutu because yeah, they they played they really mixed everyone up where everybody played in the slot a little bit. Um, Cooper Cup actually had the lowest slot rate of the three, which I thought was really interesting. I wonder if they'll use Cooper Cup more as like the X. Hmm. Um, they kind of moved them all around, but Tutu played almost as much as those guys. Man, right. Jefferson was completely out of the picture. Right, and and the targets to the running back went away, you know, so which is good for Stafford. Uh, all right, let's talk about our five big topics. This first one is from Mike Brophy. Uh, team name for Mike should be Brophy Case. <laughs> Assuming it's pronounced that with a long O. Brees Hall and Devon Achan, rest of season ranking. Okay, Jacob, you said you were uh, so excited to talk about this topic here. So give us your thoughts on a Brees Hall and Devon Achan, rest of season ranking. Before I do that, I do want to, I finally got a trimmy was taking a while here. Zay Jones only played three of the plays with two receivers on the field compared to 16 for Christian Kirk, which is significantly different than what we saw in the preseason and in week one. So it seems like he's kind of played his way into that role because Zay Jones ran 30, he played 36 snaps and ran 24 routes. So it's not like that was all after he got hurt. Um, Okay. So yeah, these two, I'm really curious where you guys land on them. I had fantasy pros expert consensus. (laughs) I looked up, they had, Brees Hall at RB21, HN at 24. I think those will both rise after this week, of course. That's for rest um, of season, or that was for week rest five? Of, rest of season. Okay. I have them RB12, HN, and RB18, Brees Hall. Is that even take, the order that you have them in, HN over Brees? I would take Brees Hall. Yeah, I feel like I hear the CBS crew be like super high on Brees. I, just, I, would, I would take HN, but go ahead. I feel like the ceiling is so much higher in Miami's <laughs> offense, right? Like, uh, yeah. I, I, this was the absolute best situation we just saw against Denver and like right. man I'm worried about the Jets overall um uh, 22 and the other carries thing Brees, for Brees Hall yeah like if he's gonna be their workhorse and the focus of their offense he's gonna do it I'll be interested to see how he does against the Eagles and even if he struggles I don't think you freak out about it but I just like 
I'm so excited about the work for, for Brees Hall, but like, I'm not really going to argue so much against Devon Achan, but go ahead. There's, there's room for growth for Brees too, because he still doesn't have the passing down role. He only ran 10 routes in this game. They really use him on uh, early downs pretty much exclusively. And Michael Carter played like 80% of the third downs, ran 17 routes to Brees Hall's 10. So I think we could see him get that role as well. That's where his upside so. really comes in. Yard per route run rate, Brees Hall's second behind only Christian McCaffrey, just ahead of Austin Eckler since the start of 2022. So like there's really explosive upside if he does get those routes. I don't know if I see that happening. It's just a guess. I know they said there are no restrictions on him, but you got to restrict him a little bit, right? And to be third down would be the appropriate time to not use Brees Hall. I don't think he should be an 80-plus percent of the snaps kind of guy personally, but maybe. You don't think he might be by the end of the year? Maybe. Uh, maybe, uh, you know. I think he might catch more passes than A-Chan. I don't know what the hell to make of this. A-Chan's averaging 12.5 yards per carry. Like, <laughs> it's something, something crazy like that. He's got, what? gosh, what is he doing? He has touchdowns. He's the number one running back in fantasy over the last three weeks with only 45 touches which is not terrible, but it's not amazing. He has touchdowns of 67 yards, 76 yards, plus 10, 8, and 3 rushing, and then um, from 4 and 10 yards out receiving. It's I've never seen anything like this. He's in a total timeshare, not getting a lot of work, and yet he's absolutely incredible. That There are no comparisons. You can't be like, well, you know, th- th- back last year or two years ago, th- never seen anything like this. He's the most efficient player I've ever seen in my life. Chris Johnson. I love that comparison. So, um, do we hear some running backs I have around these guys? I'm curious where you would put these two. Yeah. So, I've got at RB8, we're going to get to this guy later, David Montgomery, RB9, rest of season, Kenneth Walker, 10, Joe Mixon, which I know you're going to hate, Adam. Uh, the workload is just there. He's got to start scoring touchdowns. 11, Jonathan Taylor, who knows where he goes, but that feels right. Right before Devon Achan at 12, and then Kyron Williams at 13, Travis Etienne at 14, Aaron Jones at 15. All of them ahead of these guys? All of them ahead of Brees. If I want to keep going, DeAndre Swift at 16, James Cook at 17, Brees Hall at 18, just ahead of Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely higher on Brees Hall. I, I would take, I mean, I would easily take these guys over Mixon. He's just, I know he does have to start scoring, but like, if you're going to, like, if you're going to give me the workload case for Mixon, then I don't know how you take A-Chan over Brees Hall because I definitely think there's more touches coming for Brees Hall than A-Chan. Yeah, I mean, it's not just about workload. Like, I think the workload in Cincinnati should be significantly more productive for fantasy than the workload in New York. And then, yeah, of course, that's scaled up even further with HN in Miami. All right, go ahead, Dan. Get in there. Yeah, so I have HN ahead of Brees Hall. I would probably have HN a couple spots ahead of where Jacob has him, um, ahead of Mixon for sure. So my thought on HN is this. I heard people say last week that they hadn't seen a running back erase angles like a chance since Chris Johnson. I didn't actually see that on those film on those clips from the past two weeks this week against the giants. I saw that the touchdown run. He had the long touchdown run. He had this safety. Jason Pinnock had him dead to rights from an angle standpoint. If you screenshot that and someone did, I think it was Hayden winks and you see the point of where Jason Pinnock was the safety for the giants and where a was and then how he eliminated that angle. It doesn't actually make sense from a physics standpoint. And 
that's where that four three three speed is really on, uh, uh, you know, on tape. But it's also like a different level of four three three speed because I've seen a lot of four three three guys come through the NFL that don't erase angles the way Devin Achan erased an angle on that run. It's game speed too. It's things you can time only with GPS trackers and not just forty yard dash without the pads on and without the you know helmet and everything on. So I think he's a big play threat whenever he touches the ball. But the other thing is like I watch that game like i just watched that game on film giants dolphins and no one is running things as impressively as mike mcdaniel is right now the scheme there it is there's the screenshot thank you for finding that like this makes no sense like that should never be a touchdown look at the angle that the first safety has at the 40 yard line like it's absolutely insane and anyway I watch Mike McDaniel and I just see the way that he's scheming up these pin pull concepts to, and these crack back, you know, crack pitch, pit, pitch, crack back box to get legally to get HN in space. And I'm just like, this is the perfect coach for him. And it's not just the perfect coach for him. It's a perfect coach for any running back right now. Moster, HN, Jeff Wilson, whoever they're going to put in there is going to be productive without even a great offensive line because the coach is that good at scheming up ways to get and create space and yardage. So I think I'm pairing him with the best coach to fit his skill set and fit anyone's skill set. He has or angle or racing speed. So I don't really care about getting a lot of touches. Plus Jacob can back this up, but he's still getting a decent amount of work in the red zone more than people yeah, probably is. would have expected. Hmm. So he still has that upper, those opportunities as well. Most of which he hasn't cashed in yet for touchdowns, which he will. Some he did in the first game. No, he, not this year. Look, man, more can come. you're right about all this stuff, but I feel like, are, are you forgetting that Brees Hall just had 22 carries for 177 yards? No, I'm not forgetting that. But I'm, I'm, what I'm yard in is that he played the Broncos, the worst yeah, defense so in the NFL, H-N. by a wide margin. The I know, but the Achan's Broncos. done this against all the teams. No, he's done it against the Broncos and the Giants. And the Giants can't stop anyone on the on the ground. And the Bills, <clears throat> he had a the good Giants game against the Bills. Giants didn't give up any long plays to Ken Walker. The Giants gave any long plays to Tony Pollard. The Giants didn't really give up these big plays H-Han to anybody terrific. but H-Han. terrific, but Brees Hall, like H-Han's terrific from a way we've never seen before. Brees Hall is terrific from like a more conventional way. I think I think Brees Hall was would have been a candidate to be the number one pick in fantasy this year if he didn't get hurt. If Rodgers was healthy, sure, but I like just don't right know now. if I can believe in this offense to look this competent against anyone but the Broncos. Right. I mean, it's a fair point. What All do you right. guys think about DeAndre Swift compared to these two rest of the season? Oh, I take them both over Swift. I'd go mm-hmm. H-Han Swift Hall for me. Kyron Williams? I take both of these He's guys last. over Kyron. Kyron's okay. last for me. Yeah. Uh, I love Swift, but, you know, I, I love how much they threw to him this game. Right. But uh, which you know, it's a good segue to our next topic here. We're talking about the, the Eagles passing him, but the the brotherly shove is just too much of a of a detriment, I think. <laughs> uh, all right, we got to take a, another break here. When we come back, we got ten minutes left for four topics, guys. All right, we'll be right back on fantasy football today. This one comes from Riley. He says the Dolphins and the Eagles have a math problem. Is are Waddle and Smith just boomer bust wide receiver twos? Yeah, is the quick answer. Did you watch Devontae Smith and yeah. Goddard? I watched Devontae Smith. I watched his routes, and then I got bored. It's like, I don't want to watch this anymore. He got open a few times. Jalen Hurts didn't see him. Look, I could be totally wrong about this. I'm going to take a non-statistical approach to this, and I'm just going to say Devontae Smith's going to have his 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 Mm -hmm. big weeks. It's going to happen. I'm going to start him every single week. I think I'm surprised at how much – I'm surprised at the target domination that we're seeing from A.J. Brown. 
because yeah. in the second half of last year, continuing on through the Super Bowl, the targets were very even. I think Devontae Smith actually had a few more. It is all A.J. Brown right now. Another concerning thing, I will get a little statistical, they are, thro- I, like I predicted, throwing more to their running backs this year than they did last year. They had the fewest running back targets in the NFL, so Hurts is throwing to DeAndre. You don't trade for DeAndre Swift and not throw him the ball. But can we just go back three weeks after week two? Is Devontae Smith the better wide receiver? Should we buy low, or, or is A.J. Brown going to be a bust? You know, this and that. Like We're going to have different conversations about these guys at different points of the season. They right. are still extremely run heavy. They have the third lowest pass rate in the NFL, but they've run the most plays. So they are, I think, like they're 12th in pass attempts. That's what's kind of surprising me. It's not really a math problem. Jalen Hurst is throwing enough where all of these guys could be good, but he's just favoring A.J. Brown so much right now. I think it'll even out. They are probably boomer bust wide receiver twos, but that's still going to make them better than most, like high-end wide receiver twos in my opinion. So I'd buy low on Smith, and I already did buy low on Waddle, and he was okay in, in week five. Dan, what do you think? I think you nailed this one. Look, with Waddle, a lot of it was game script, I thought, in the Giants game. They just didn't make a lot, a lot of what the Dolphins did in that game was explosive plays. Like the Giants defense outside the explosive plays did a decent job there. And then they turned the football over twice. The Dolphins once in the red zone, once in their own territory. It didn't really feel like a game where they needed to get Waddle involved that much. As far as the Eagles game, which the one that I didn't get to see yet, um, I'm not exactly sure what happened there with Devontae Smith. But the reality of the situation is this. These offenses are still predicated on Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown at this point. And so it is more of a boomer bust from that standpoint, especially because there are not that many teams in the NFL that can force these teams, the Eagles and Dolphins, to get into shootouts that are necessary to get more volume in general in the passing game. Like the Dolphins haven't been in a lot of shootouts this year, with the exception of the Bills game, where they didn't even hold, they didn't have the football a lot. Of it wasn't the even anymore. a shootout. They got right. It got wasn't even a shootout. shootout. They didn't have the football and they didn't score yeah. a lot on offense. So it's just like the game scripts are harder for me to find where these two guys are going to find their consistency. There were only three games where they played, what, 20 games last year? There were only three games where all three, Goddard, Brown, and Smith, had 50 or more yards in the same game. It, yeah. They are 0 for 5. So that's 3 of 25, where all three of them had 50 or more yards in the same game. I guess, Jacob, there's something that concerns me. It's the air yards. Because Jalen Hurts is just throwing it downfield so much more this year. The route depth is up for Smith. The dot is up for Smith. And that's going to maybe take away some easy catches. So I, I don't know. How concerned are you? I'm really excited to talk with Matt Harmon. He's going to be on FFT Dynasty next week about Devontae Smith specifically and A.J. Brown because, yeah, like you, this is a really good note to bring up. He's not being used on as many layup routes like he was last right. year. They really kind of went out of their way to get Devontae involved, it felt like. And this year it kind of feels like A.J. is just like the alpha and Devontae, they're just like, please win in your winnable matchups. Um, and that's, that's kind of like what's going on with Jordan Addison and with Justin Jefferson, where it's like the, with that kind of role, it's going to be tough to draw a target per route run rate above like 20%. And that we saw that rate up to like 22, 23% for Devante last year, this year, it's down to like 17%, which I think is pretty similar to Addison. So like, really it's, that's kind of the range that he's falling in right now, except that he is on the field for two receiver sets and Addison's not, I'm a little bit worried about it. Waddle though, he's the one where like. I think Devontae is going to get his. Um, Waddle, I'm legitimately worried that he might 
not because I do think the offense is a little bit different. Like Devon Aitchin adds something right. that they legitimately did not have last year, especially as a pre-snap motion guy. They're using him a ton. We see a lot of these plays where they still have both Aitchin and Mostert on the field, and one of those guys is the motion man, whereas last year Waddle was filling that role a lot. Also, Tyreek Hill is just like absolutely insane. I thought that there might be some <laughs> drop-off. I know, but like I don't know if people really realize how insane last year. He averaged 3.2 yards per route run, and that was historically good, like one of the absolute best the past 10 years. <laughs> this year, he's averaging 4.8. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to take away from this, but there seems to be this like flushing sound that's that's happened on Jacob's mic a couple times, and I, I just want people to know it's not me actually yeah, flushing. No, that's like, <laughs> we're not quite sure. Flushing sound. You shouldn't have said that. But yeah, every time it happens, I look at you, and I look at Schaefer, and I'm like, oh, I have no idea what that was. But yeah, I, it's not I me on the can. I promise. <laughs> I think I'm just getting too excited about Tyreek Hill. Tyreek's been targeted on at least 30% of his routes in all but one game. Like he is the absolute epitome of an alpha in the league right now. And like with that and the HN situation, I think it's kind of tough for Waddle. I think this week they really went out of their way to get him the ball. His first retarget rate was up Waddles and still it wasn't some explosive performance. You know what right. I mean? Like that's the best case outcome right now. He needs to connect on deep threats to really be like yeah. what we've seen in the past. Yeah, he's run. He's not going deep as as much. Not getting targeted down the field. Um, all right, Ken Bailey wants to know: Given the per game production and the schedule, David Montgomery is a top seven running back rest of season. So where did you have him, Jacob? Montgomery RB eight, oh. RB eight. But I think you can move him as high as RB five. I have Josh Jacobs ahead of him. I'm sure Dan will disagree with that. Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry ahead of him, and I think you can move him ahead of either of those guys as well. I would definitely, I would take him ahead of Derrick Henry. Uh, Barkley's tough. The bottom line is, I don't know. There's some really good running backs behind him, right? Like guys that could easily be as good or better than Montgomery. But you should not sell high. I think we're all pretty much buying it, right? And we're not, there's no thought at this point that, oh, just wait, Jameer Gibbs is going to take over. It's just, no, I don't see why. So just ride it out with Montgomery. Yeah, I mean, I'm not obviously I'm not going to be the one to tell you not to. I had David Montgomery ranked ahead of Gibbs in the preseason. I don't know anyone else who had that. And obviously, I talked about how excited I was about Montgomery. So, congratulations, Dan. I mean, we heard it on the podcast. I'm sure I can prove it somehow with, with some of the podcasts. We we'll just have to look back, but. It's not going to be time for me to sell high on David Montgomery. I think this is the reason I liked him so much. He's running behind the best, one of the best offensive lines in football with one of the best offensive schemers in the game. I mean, if you watch some of what Ben Johnson did, there was a play this week where I had never seen it before. They had, they had a quarterback lined up. I think it was Goff went into the shotgun. They had, or no, Goff was under center. They had, they had a direct snap. Yeah, there you go, bad guy. They had a direct snap to Montgomery from under center, which, which, with, with, <laughs> Goff under center. I've never seen that before. Goff took like a step back and it led to like a six yard gain. This dude is just running really well. And I think, you know, uh, Heath did a good job of pointing to, of pointing to it last week, but Austin Eckler did a great breakdown of why David Montgomery is such an underrated runner in the NFL and how, you know, sometimes the stats don't. And what did he say? With, what did he say? Because I, this pissed I, me off. Like, you know, I don't think David Montgomery is a good runner. I'm sure he's a good running back. He probably does a lot of good things that are important to your team. But I just look at his stats. And he did have a long run in this game for a touchdown. It's like 40-ish yards. He is boring. He is not fast. He does not have breakaway speed. And I think a lot of running backs would do even better than David Montgomery. It doesn't matter because I think he's going to be great for fantasy. 
But but this is this is kind of the whole. I know it seems like that on the surface, Adam, but this is kind of the whole reason they went from DeAndre Swift to David Montgomery. So, as so what did Eckler role. say? Do you remember? It's I don't remember exactly what he said. A lot of it, you know, there were some specifics about how he reads zone runs and the general the general idea of what he said though was processing. Something I've talked about a lot on this podcast and other podcasts. Mental processing is something for running backs. People yeah. think it doesn't matter, but it matters a lot. The ability to set up the blocks, the ability to understand the leverage, the ability to understand where these holes are going to be based on the entire play and the blocking scheme and letting some of those develop. There's a reason why this offense looks a lot more, in my opinion, effective with him in the game instead of DeAndre Swift last year. And oh, a lot of that I, has to do. Swift got. You love to pick on Swift. Tell. I don't love this, to pick this on this Swift because now he looks why, great with his Eagles. Great. Yeah, he's you know. got a great offense, dude. This is what. Ugh. Okay, I'm going. On, I'm going on a rant here. This is from Benjamin. He says, "Remember how inefficient and bad Adam thought Monty was, dude? Look at look at his yards per carry. He's averaging 4.2 yards per carry. And before this game, he was averaging 3.8 or 3.9. The Panthers have one of the worst run defenses in football. If he didn't go off in this game, I would have been shocked. So here he was in Week One, slamming ahead into the Chiefs' line of scrimmage without <laughs> Chris Jones and getting like 3.7 yards per carry. Now you're gonna tell me yards per carry isn't everything? I understand that, but this to me is is like a Kenneth Gainwell versus DeAndre Swift thing. DeAndre Swift is so much better. I, I don't understand what the hell they were thinking in week one. DeAndre Swift is better than David Montgomery. Montgomery might be able to process things better, but I guarantee you, if you put DeAndre Swift on this Lions team and gave him the workload that David Montgomery is getting, I guarantee you he would be a better fantasy running back than David Montgomery. I straight up guarantee he might it. Be. And he David might Montgomery be, but, doesn't but, even get targeted. He doesn't get targeted because you don't want to just give David Montgomery the ball in space. He can't I do anything with it, Dad. Some of these, some of, I think what you're missing potentially is that some nothing. of these positive runs that <laughs> Montgomery's having, nothing. He's part, what you might be missing, according to the coaches of the Lions, is some of these positive runs that Montgomery's having are runs that weren't positive on Swift's tape because Swift wasn't processing them That's as fine. well. And they might feel the same way about Jameer Gibbs. He's a rookie. He doesn't understand things and process things the way Montgomery does. And they don't want negative plays because that puts them behind the sticks. No, that makes it harder for them to stay on schedule. Well, from a fantasy standpoint, I want a guy who can break a big play. That's what okay. I want. And Montgomery's going to be what? great. We're learning. We're learning here that they don't want that. They want to stay on schedule. And Good. from a fantasy standpoint, if they believe Montgomery keeps them on schedule, they're going to keep Montgomery in the game, as we've seen. Dan, I'm not arguing season. that at all. I yeah. am all in yeah. on David Montgomery this year from a fantasy standpoint. I just don't want to hear all this stuff about how good of a running back he is. Because, <laughs> I'm sorry, at some point... Yards per carry has I meant to matter. Good for NFL yeah, that's fine. He can be, but from a fantasy standpoint, like yards per carry has to matter. Efficiency. I mean, the you know, if you want to make fun of me for calling yards per carry, the stat people will call it efficiency, and then you'll be like, oh, okay, well, they're right. So it's the same thing. You know, he just he's not that efficient. He hasn't been with a mo- again, he's I, a f- I went through this to so say he- I went through this crap, you know. Oh, he's got Justin Fields now. He's got a mobile quarterback. Watch his efficiency is going to spike. It didn't. Oh, he's running behind the Lions line of scrimmage. His efficiency is going to spike. Okay, it's at almost a career high, 4.2 yards per carry. I guarantee you DeAndre Swift's behind that line. He's at 4.8 or more. No, no way. He was bank. just behind that line last year, Adam. He was just he was running behind all that year. line. Oh. He was hurt all year. They barely used him. Give him the. You didn't hear what you didn't see the clips with Deuce Staley and and the the running back coach there and everything that went down with DeAndre Swift. He wasn't running the ball the way they wanted I to. Understand and guess that, what? And I get you can that. look at you can look at yards per carry as an efficiency mark, which obviously in a lot of ways is is 
is you know not dilute like diluted but it's changed by the big running plays which yeah. montgomery doesn't have the breakaway ability but what they're looking at from an efficiency standpoint adam is how many times do we have a run that goes for yes. negative yards or Agreed. zero yards or one to two yards and he doesn't give them that many of those. Agreed. you are right give them a lot of those you are right about that and it is an nfl versus fantasy discussion and you're 100 yeah. right. he's a good fit for them um and he's going to be great for fantasy and, and I because he's a good fit for them, he's going to stay on the field. I am not arguing with you at all. This is not about yeah. his fantasy value. You, you and I completely agree on David mm-hmm. Montgomery. You know, and he's probably a better running back. He's a steady running back. I like home run hitters in fantasy. That's why I drafted ETN. That's why I drafted Ken Walker. That's why I drafted DeAndre Swift. Sure. I thought Gibbs would be that home run hitter. I'm going to be wrong about him. He he probably could be a home run hitter, but they're not going to you know they're not going to take Montgomery off the field. But that's okay. I think we're arguing two different things. This was really more like, I'm sorry, I just don't really see why people think David Montgomery is so good. But okay, in fantasy, he's going to be really good. All right, last question here. We'll do this quickly. Oh, there's two more. All right, I'm going to do the. I'm going to do this one in like ten seconds. Uh, from okay. Brandon, it says Gardner Minshew is a as a potential QB one for the next four plus weeks. No. Tell you, I don't see it. I don't see it. No I don't shot. like the weapons enough. They're going to run the ball a lot, and the matchups aren't great. Okay, next I am so up. I about Anthony Richardson's injury. We can move <laughs> yeah, forward, no, but it's it just stuff for fantasy. It's, he's so fun. It's, it really stinks. But he'll be back. Uh, this is from Zarlos Cambrano, which is a funny name. Carlos Zambrano. Uh, how long should we stash lottery tickets like Tank Bigsby, Zach Charbonnet, with the bye weeks coming up and the little production shown? I put together a stashometer if you'd like to hear it. Oh, yeah, let's do it. A 9 out of 10 rating, top of the stash list for me is Roshan Johnson, especially with oh, yeah. the Herbert oh, yeah. injury. I think he could walk into like a... <laughs> Isn't he hurt as well? Role. Is he hurt concussion. as well right now? He, he had, had a concussion. concussion. But like high ankle sprain might keep Herbert out for a month. True. Tajay Spears is actually next for me. Him and Zach Charbonnet, I have both at 7 out of 10, ahead of Jalen Warren, which I think most people won't agree with. But just the offensive like runway for both of those guys, the role they might get if they step into that role is like bigger than I think anything yeah. in Pittsburgh that I'm going to be excited about. Well, this is a stashometer, right? Because yeah, startometer Warren's ahead of these guys, but stashometer right. completely agree. Like if the starting running back gets hurt, I think Warren would be a must start guy. But I think Spears mm-hmm. and Charbonnet I'd like more. I also would put Bigsby in there personally. Jacob, where do you have him? I have Warren and Jaleel McLaughlin as uh, sixes. Okay. Tank Bigsby as a five. Kendra Miller as a four. Okay, that's good stuff. Yeah, look, it's a tough question to answer. It depends on your record. It depends on your team. I certainly see scenarios. This is the problem with stashing handcuffs. If they, if they don't work, they don't hit by, you know, week five and you're two and three or one and four and you got bye weeks, like they're going to get dropped. I remember David Johnson got dropped in a ton of leagues his rookie season and then he was like a league winner down the stretch. So it happens. Uh, it's it's really a personal thing. It's It's got to be your team's needs. One thing I'd say is don't drop a handcuff. Who did I drop this week? I dropped uh, Sean Tucker because I think he's nothing. Uh, I think uh, Keyshawn Vaughn might have taken his place. I don't even know. But I dropped him for Latavius Murray because I needed a spot a spot start in a 14-team league and I had buys and injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that, I would not have dropped Zach Charbonnet. Even if I thought I was going to lose a week, I would have dropped a really good handcuff for a guy like Latavius Murray who could give you three points. Don't do mm-hmm. something like that. If you have to drop that handcuff, it better be a player that you think could really help you win that week. Okay. Agreed. Agreed right. on that. Sorry to uh, hog the 
hog the mic at the end there. Just needed to. Uh, no, it's all good. Get out. You had here. to get your Montgomery rant in there. I understand. <laughs> I mean, just when he said that to me, I felt like he was like sticking it to me. Like, oh, Austin Eckler said he's such a great running back. I, I could see he's a better NFL running back than a fantasy running back. But well, I don't know. I already said my piece. No, I thought it was a good argument. I mean, I get it. I just think this is there's a reason he's on the field for the Lions, and it's going to help. Totally. Obviously, we went over this. Yep. Totally. <laughs> all right, and uh, we're out of here. Thank you to Jacob and Dan and Thomas and all of you for watching and listening. We'll talk to you later tomorrow. Oh, Monday night. We got the Monday night live stream. We'll see you at 730 and then the waiver wire.